1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome
2: to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2 and ESPNU. Of course, listen to us on all the great ESPN stations all across the country. SiriusXM Channel 80 in the ESPN app. You can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of nice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Alone Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, former Giant, and Evan Cohen with you. It is on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio after Seattle annihilates the Giants last night, Monday Night Football 24-3. The Giants are 1-3. The Seahawks are 3-1. Nobody around here is seemingly in a good mood. Well, Smalls is. Baseball playoffs start today, Woo! ESPN Radio, so we're pumped about that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited about all the fun from NBA media days yesterday. Pat Costello, one of our producers, saw an accident on the road this morning. Hopefully everybody's okay. He was mad at those who got into an accident because they held him up. God forbid Pat should be inconvenienced. How dare they? How dare they? And CeCe hasn't said a word or looked up because of his Giants.
0: Morning. It's not a good morning.
2: I just said morning. It, it, I didn't say it, it, good. It's, it's I never good said morning. good. Well,
0: the enthusiasm in your voice as you're bringing <laughs> us bad. into the show makes it feel like you're saying good morning, and it's not a good morning. RIP to the New York Giants season. It's over. It's over. It's it's a rap. It's Saran rap, GIF rap, Yo MTV raps, oh, Rap City. It, it's all of the things. Over. They are done. Chicken parm wrap. What, what, we're we're four Turkey games into wrap. the NFL season, and we're talking about professional football in New York City effectively being over. That, that's where we're at right now. And baseball's over. And you know what I did to my New York City, I'm saying. You, you know what I – thank you, because I really needed to hear well, that. Well, I'm a Mets fan, o- so On top saying. of the Yankees deciding they're going to bring back Aaron Boone after the abysmal season that they had. That's neither here nor there. The biggest issue that I have, Ev, is that I let myself believe that this team could actually be good. Shame on me for being sucked into thinking that the Giants could build off of what they did last year. Shame on me. Why would I think that this is going to be a well-coached team? Why would I think that this offensive line could actually be better and block somebody? Why would I think that the special teams wouldn't have six penalties like they did in last night's game? Why would I think that they would fix the mistackled issues that have plagued this team over the past three games? Why would I think these things, Small? Why? Because every time I get sucked in by this Giants team – they give me the old screw job, and they say, you know what? You can't trust this squad, and last night was the perfect example. We've already played four games, and this team has played exactly one good half of football. That's it, the second half against the Arizona Cardinals, and they dug their own hole because they were down by 17 going into that second half. I, I, I just don't know why I do this to myself when it comes to the Giants. I love this team, and I thought that Brian Daybowl, would actually have this program trending in the right direction, but it feels like it's regressed. And it only adds to the point that Ev made when we came into this season and he said, you know what? Bill Belichick disciples, they outkick their coverage in year one and they regress back to the mean. And what does that mean? What we've seen from every other Bill Belichick disciple over the course of their coaching career. They're just not good enough to allow their teams to have sustained success. I don't know what the hell the identity is for the New York Giants in 2023. Do you? I have no idea right now. It's absolutely ridiculous how bad they were. It's one thing to go up against a team and you just don't have the same talent level that they do. It's another thing to go out there and look like you haven't coached or game plan for the entire week leading into the game. That's what it felt like in watching that game last night. And I did what a lot of Giants fans were unwilling to do based on the cars leaving MetLife Stadium at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I watched it to the bitter end. You know why? Because I felt like I deserved to punish myself for believing that this team could actually be good.
3: You okay? You feeling okay?
0: No, I feel like Jimmy <laughs> Butler right now. I'm emo. Leave me alone. I'm okay, emo. But, I fell in love with that. E- oh, sorry.
2: So
3: here's the identity of the Giants right now it's a quarterback that turns over a, the ball and a team that cannot get out to a fast start. The Giants have been outscored 77 to 9 in the first half of games this season.
2: No touchdowns in the first half.
3: No touchdowns. And they've been outscored 77 to 9. I understand, CeCe, where you're coming from because we want to feel good about the Giants coming into the season. We wanted to feel like Brian Dayball was the guy and that what we saw last year, even though they were outperforming expectations, was signs that this was going in the right direction. But it seems like it was fool's gold at this point. I don't think it's going to get much better for the New York Giants this season.
2: No, I mean, I think that CeCe's right. I think it's it's not only over based on their play, but if you look at their schedule... And they have the Dolphins and the Bills the next so, two games so, on the road. So, I mean, so so it's done, but like I think also Seattle. We got to look at them and what they have been able to accomplish here. They're three and one, and their defense sacked Daniel Jones and the Giants. I think Daniel Jones ten times, but overall eleven times, and they were unbelievable last night. And their top five draft pick out of Smalls' school, Illinois, Devin Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon, twenty one, had seven <laughs> tackles. Two sacks and an interception return for a touchdown. And I'm telling you, that's the number. I'm telling you, I thought they made a big mistake not drafting a quarterback in the first round because I thought that was a, you can draft one when you want one instead of when you need one. But this guy was unbelievable last night and he was all over the field and he's nasty. You know, normally you don't see corners hit the way that he hits. I mean, my God, this guy was all in. Defensive backs in general hit the way that this guy hits. He was just nasty all over the field, and that Seattle team annihilated the Giants. Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the Giants, and he discussed last night after the game being sacked 11 times.
4: I give credit to their, their defense. They, they rush hard and um, play well together, but i got to do a better job getting through
2: my reads, getting, getting the ball out of my hand, and, and making, making quick decisions, so um,
4: I'll definitely look to work on that.
0: You know, there's here's, here's what I don't understand. Here's, here's what I don't understand. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ev, but why as a coach would you run a scheme where your quarterback can get sacked 11 times? I get that it's hard to have a good scheme when your offensive line can't block anybody, but at some point you have to move the launch point, you go with the quick game, three-step drops, You you, you do rollouts, quarterback design runs, anything to keep Daniel Jones from being a sitting duck. They hit him 14 times. You know how many pressures the Seahawks had in that game? 26! (laughs) 26 pressures in one damn game? Are you kidding me? This is the NFL! Like, you're either coaching it or you're letting it happen. And if you're Brian Dayball sitting there today, uh, how could you watch that tape and feel like you didn't do your team a disservice with the game plan that you put together? It ain't like the Seahawks or the Tampa Bay Bucks in 2001. It ain't the 2000 Ravens. It ain't the 85 Bears. It's the Seahawks. This team has had trouble getting to the quarterback, too. Not last night you know what if you're having a problem if you need a slump buster don't worry we got the new york giants for you they're on the schedule if you need a get right game then that's what the giants are and that's what troy aikman called them last night it was absolutely abysmal well they, i don't they, think they, they know, they, they know they who daniel are,
2: jones is i'm well, telling you they right can, now
0: they cannot know who daniel jones is and still go out there and do better than that well that, that that's beyond the quarterback let's not sit here and pretend today that daniel jones is the problem for the giants now When you're being paid top 10 at the position... You certainly need to be a part of the solution, and it didn't like, like that was the case either. But let's not sit here and point the finger of blame at Daniel Jones. The person that we need to be pointing to today is Brian Daybo, because it's giving me serious Ben McAdoo vibes. Well. And for people that don't know who Ben McAdoo was, he took over for the Giants in 2016. They were 11-5. and They went to the playoffs. The next year, they fired him 12 games into the season because they were 2-10. and And that's what the Giants are trending toward right now when you look at their upcoming schedule. I'm not saying the Giants are going to fire him. Because this guy won coach of the year and he won a playoff game. And so I guess that gives him a little more leash. But how much leash does he deserve to have given what we've seen through the first quarter of the season? You just talked about the point differential in the first half, Smalls. Good teams don't get outscored by 68 points in the first half through the first four games. Matter of fact, we've never seen a team get outscored by 68 points in the first half through the first four games. It's the worst first-half scoring differential through the first four games since the merger in 1970. This is bad. At this point, we have to blame the coach.
2: I think what the problem is with the coach (sighs) in this specific case, and people don't realize this, and I think there's a lot of issues as to why, I I will make the comparison to Lamar Jackson. I think everybody thinks Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback. I think Lamar Jackson is actually a passing quarterback who can run. I actually think Daniel Jones is the opposite. I think that Daniel Jones is actually a running quarterback – that can pass a little bit. And I don't think they'd run an offense to the Brian Dayball point that actually fits what he is. I think they should look at him as a run-first quarterback, as odd as that may sound. I mean, you look at it last night, 10 carries, 66 yards. That's where he's at his best, is actually on the move, in run-pass option, and letting him make decisions relative to tucking and running, which normally is not what you want to do as a quarterback. But I believe that there is there is a part of this that they are looking at their quarterback the wrong way. And as a result, he's not able to succeed in the way in which they want him to succeed. If they flipped this and said, we have a running quarterback who can dink and dunk, I actually think they have a better chance of success. Well, I'm I, telling you, I, I, I think I, they I, have it backwards. I, at
0: this point, Ev, I don't know what the answer is. I, I just feel like a sucker. For getting drawn into this team and wanting to believe that they could actually build on what they did last year. You know the scene in Rounders where they say if you look around and you can't spot the sucker, then you are the sucker? That's how I feel about my fandom for the New York Giants this year. That's where I'm at right now. I was sucked into believing that this team was actually going to be well coached. I was sucked into believing that they would be fundamentally sound. And they've been anything but through the first quarter of the season. Miss tackles. They have they have averaged the most missed tackles per game of any team in football, and it showed up again last night with Noah Feh housing a simple out route by the tight end. That that shouldn't happen. How do those things happen? It's something that's fundamental to football. You got a defense with guys that don't tackle. Like there are a lot and of the things. The Kenneth Walker but, play should have are, been a there touchdown. There are a lot of things that NFL coaches should be worried about on game day. Making a tackle on a tight end and not letting the guy run 50 yards should not be one of them. But that's where we're at. That's the state of affairs for the New York Giants. And, again, I go back to this statement from Bill Parcells. Either you're coaching it or you're letting it happen. Let's not let Daniel Jones' poor performance protect Brian Daybo from the criticism that he deserves today because that team, with, with, with extra time to prepare, think about that, extra time to prepare. You played Thursday night in San Francisco. And then you turn around and play Monday night the following week. You had extra time to prepare. And that's what the hell you do? What the hell are we talking about? It's
2: ridiculous. Talking about a really good Seattle team, too. We will get to that as well. The hell with Seattle. Well, Seattle was great last night. I don't don't want to talk about Seattle. On on defense especially. They were excellent. All right, coming up, have we seen the last of Saquon Barkley as a Giant? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, Sirius XM80, ESPN app, and all of our great ESPN stations across the country. You can be a part of the show by giving us a call at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. With the Giants, are we now grouping them with like the Bears and some of the other bad teams? You can weigh in on that. On the Dr. Pepper call-in line. But, you know, the other side of this last night you got to look at the Seattle Seahawks and think about what they have done as an organization here in their transition from Russell Wilson now to Geno Smith. They totally revitalized Geno Smith, who gets hurt in the game last night and mentions that maybe he thinks it was a dirty hit. Uh, Drew Locke comes in, who uh, before last night, and just in general, is most known for being the guy that raps on the sidelines uh, while he's just sitting there mouthing rap lyrics. He puts
3: on for a city. I
2: mean, seriously, that's what he was most known for, and he was in the Russell Wilson trade with Noah Fant, and obviously, Devin Witherspoon's pick was the the Russell West uh, Russell Wilson pick from uh, Denver. But is there a more underrated coach, maybe in all of sports, than Pete Carroll? I was thinking about Ooh. this, watching this last night. Think about this for a second. This guy, I believe this is his 18th year as an NFL head coach, which you always think about him initially as a college coach. Like, in your head, you always go USC because it was like the coolest run of all time. It was what Dion is doing now with t- a title, or two titles, right? And you forget... He this is his third NFL team he's been a coach of. He coached the Pats in between Parcells and Belichick and had ten and six, nine and seven, eight and eight. Coached the Jets for a year with six and 10. I want to say he's been in the NFL 18 years. He's only had four losing seasons and he's completely rebuilt this team on the fly. And oh, by the way, he had an insanely successful college career at USC 97 and 19 and won two championships. Normally, when you see the great coach that coaches both college and pro, regardless of its basketball or football, they're only good at one. Right. Nick Saban was not a great NFL head coach. Steve Spurrier, disaster Mm -hmm. in the NFL. Right. I mean, think about any college coach you could think of. John Calipari, not very good in the NBA. Rarely do you see someone that is an elite level coach, both in college and the pros. And I think we just forget Pete Carroll exists sometimes.
3: Really, you think so? Yes, is I do. Is it because we look for the new and shiny toy, yes, like, and a Mike, he's the like a Mike, like a Mike McDaniel or exactly. a Kyle Shanahan or a Sean exactly. McVay? Hundred percent. Well, do you think we feel the same way about Mike Tomlin and John John Harbaugh? Because I, I would put the, those three in the same category. Belichick is in a class of his own because of all the titles he's won, but right. I would say a Pete Carroll, a John Harbaugh, a Mike Tomlin—guys who have gotten the job done and consistently knows know how to win and put a team together.
2: I think that's a good trio to come up with. But here's the thing. So if you're going to put them in that trio together, now also let me tell you about the fact that Pete Carroll won two college championships. Right? Think about that resume. John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin don't have the other part of that resume. I just think we forget about him sometimes. I mean, look at what he's doing without Russell Wilson here.
0: No, and I think that's probably the thing that – enhances his legacy over the last couple of years, seeing what he's been able to do with this Seahawks team in the wake of Russell Wilson. Nobody think that he would win the divorce between the two so quickly. But, I mean, he won the divorce last year, and he actually got his lit back at the beginning of last season when they squared off against the Broncos head-to-head in the season open up in Seattle. So I I absolutely believe that Pete Carroll is one of the upper echelon coaches in the National Football League. But we want to see him have more success in the postseason because the coaches that we talk about in in the vein of being one of the best to ever do it usually have multiple titles. And so I think that's the one thing that we're looking for from Pete Carroll at this level. We've already acknowledged that he was able to build a dynasty in college at USC. But seeing him be able to do it post-Russell Wilson have the kind of success in the postseason when it matters the most, Mm -hmm. I think that will – Crystallize it or put it in perspective for a lot of the casual fans.
2: Yeah, I think that it's funny you bring that up because you're saying that and you're right. And we he also won a Super Bowl, right? So I think if you look at the Pete Carroll resume, I think winning a Super Bowl is third on the resume. I think I think not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch is number one. That's the first thing that I'm saying when people think of him, right? When you think of Pete Carroll, what's the first thing you think of? I think it's either not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch or USC. And then, oh, by the way, he destroyed the Broncos in a Super Bowl at MetLife, right? I, I, he has had such a fascinating career, and I don't think we ever talk about this. guy. I'm just watching this last night, and CeCe is right as a giant to be distraught, right? But you think about the big picture of this. What a career. I don't know anyone else that has had that kind of success, college or pro, in our lifetime, unless I'm mi- missing someone.
0: Would no, you- and, and the, fascinating, <laughs> the fascinating part about it is that Pete Carroll is the oldest coach in the national football league. It doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. And we keep talking about the difference in coaches from a a certain generation being able to relate to this generation of athletes, and you don't feel like that's an issue in Seattle with Pete Carroll in his program and then the synergy that he has with John Snyder and being able to retool this team on the fly, being able to capitalize on draft picks. I mean, they had a rookie corner in Tariq Woolen that led the league in interceptions last year. Now they follow that up with taking a cornerback in the top five in Devin Witherspoon, who has an outstanding night. You project what this team is going to be moving forward when everybody is healthy? The Seattle Seahawks are going to be a tough out. People also forget This team is missing a couple of starters on their offensive line. That area of their their team is going to get better, too. So this isn't the best version of the Seahawks that we're going to get this season, but they've been good enough to reel off three straight in impressive fashion. And I think they're trending toward forming an identity that's going to allow them to have success and compete for a playoff spot.
3: When I think of Pete Carroll and I think of Seattle, I always think of the Legion of Boom and the fact that you're looking at this defense right now and he's able to – assemble another really tough defense that has They're built of back that. to front. Yes. They've built
0: Quadri Diggs and Devin Witherspoon and Tariq yes. Woolen. We'll see if Jamal Adams can get healthy. But, yeah, they, they've built it back to front. And then you have Bobby Wagner, who's been there forever yep. and, no, and is an extension of Pete Carroll on the field. Bobby Wagner, 17 tackles and a couple of sacks last night. Hell of a night for Bobby Wagner. But then you also have Jordan Brooks. I mean, they have enough pieces where they could give some other teams in the NFC some problems. This is not going to be an easy out. I still think that San Francisco is the class of the NFC. But San Francisco is going to have to strap up their shoulder pads a little extra tight when they play the Seattle Seahawks twice this season. It's going to be a war going up against those guys. You're going to have to earn your wins.
2: 100%. You don't want to play Seattle in the first round because you don't want to get beat up like that. By the (laughs) way, the other part of it is that the Giants, with their future, I'm not saying Saquon will do this because I don't believe that Saquon will ever want to do this. But if I'm Saquon's agent right now and I don't think he can come back, next week or the week after, and this team drops to 1-5 and he's a pending free agent. I, As the agent, you have to have a conversation with the player and the person that is Saquon Barkley and ask the question, are you sure you want to play? You sure you want to play the rest of the way? Saquon will say, hell yeah, I want to play because we know he's a gamer, CC. But if you're the agent, that conversation has to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, Saquon or no... The Giants ain't winning the next two games. That's right. On the road against Miami. On, think about this. You're on the road against Miami after Miami just got embarrassed in Buffalo. Ooh, what do luck. you think that's going to be like? Got luck. Exactly. And then you got Buffalo, the team that, that beat the brakes off of Miami, the following week in their place. I just – I don't see it getting any better for the New York Giants, and I'm sitting here asking myself now, where does this team go? And, of course, when you ask that question, the conversation around the quarterback is going to be front and center because they decided to give a guy that had, what, a grand total of 15 touchdown passes last year, a $160 million contract of which $82 million is guaranteed. Again, not saying that Daniel Jones is all of the problems in New York, but he's certainly not the solution to all of the different issues you have either. And when you pay a guy that kind of money, you expect him to be a force multiplier. Smalls, as we sit here today, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, I don't know which quarterback situation I would rather have between the two New York City teams. And I, and I know that's a, The Jets wow. have Aaron Rodgers with an Achilles, and they've got Zach Wilson, third year, and a guy that people have kind of left for dead. I know, I know the Jets have serious quarterback questions. I don't know that it's not better to be in their shoes than it is to be dealing with the Daniel Jones contract for several years into the future. I, I just don't know that the Giants are in a better place when it comes to their quarterback room than the New York Jets. And that's an indictment on the situation with Big Blue.
3: I know that the Jets lost that game, but Zach Wilson went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Can you see Daniel Jones doing that?
2: I, I, we have actually. That's the weird thing. Like he we played well in the playoff game. Yeah, like there have been the moments with him, but I think they look at him. The re- like He's backwards. He's a running quarterback. He's not a passing quarterback. And they That's look a at him- problem
0: when you're paying him $40 million a I year. I get it. Think about what you're saying. <laughs> I get it. I'm paying him $40 million a year to be a running
2: quarterback? I'm just saying. How do you, you what- think that's going to work out? Not well, but it's not working out to be a passing <laughs> quarterback well, here, either. Here,
0: here's, the cra- here's, a, here's the other scary thing about Daniel Jones look at the NFC East. There's a case to be made that Daniel Jones is the worst quarterback in that division. How how do you have sustained success if you've signed up to pay your quarterback top-of-the-market money and he's the worst in your division?
2: Which doesn't mean he's bad. It just means he cannot outperform his contract. There's no way he can outperform He
0: can't outperform the other team's quarterback in the division.
2: Yeah, I know. I I agree. So we know that the Giants are not going to be a part of Canty's power rankings, that's for sure. We'll find out who is coming up next.
5: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet?
4: Ah, oh, the Bills running away now, up 27 with an extra point pending. I'm open. I'm always open.
3: Excuse me, my profanity. I'm sorry.
0: Hell yeah, we got to make some changes, man. That was that was an ugly product we put out there today.
1: Oh,
5: there's any point leaving him in the game starting next week against the Saints you know I just so there's no point leaving him in the game
4: intercepted
2: Deron Bland call the house hello house house it's me Deron
1: hello house
5: yeah it's on me critical situation i can't i can't have a play like that i
1: cannot drop the ball now that the dust is settled on week 4 it's time for Canty's NFL, NFL power, power rankings.
2: rankings yes it is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2, ESPN U, listen, Series XM80, ESPN app, and all of our great ESPN stations across the country. Puka Nakua is now up there with Ronald Acuna Jr. Most fun names to say in all of sports. Any kind of name that rhymes becomes fun to say the Rams wide receiver. All right,
0: we'll Plus bring- he's a folk hero too, right? He's amazing. I mean, 39 catches and over 500 yards, the most in both categories for the first four games of an NFL career. Pretty damn good.
3: Pretty good. Pretty
0: good. It's
2: like every single year we get examples of why you don't pay wide receivers and yeah. running backs so much yeah. because you can just find them if you have good offenses and good quarterbacks. And I'm not saying that like they're all replaceable. Just just throwing that out there. All right. We got CeCe's, uh power rankings and then Smalls' hour rankings. <laughs> we will explain that. CC, what do we got today?
0: All right. Kicking it off at number five. Number five. The Dallas Cowboys. Listen, their defense had a couple of touchdowns. Leighton Vander Esch had a scooping score. You're talking about Deron Bland having a pick six, uh, and those really tilted the game. Their pass rush can get after it. Biggest concern for the Dallas Cowboys is just their ability to be able to capitalize once their offense works the ball into the red zone. They're great from 20 to 20, but once they get in the red zone, they struggle. They were one for four against the Patriots on the season. They're seven of 19 in the red zone, which is next to last in the National Football League. So they've got to clean that area up if they want to get to where they want to go, but they've got a defense that they can hang their hat on.
1: Number four.
0: The Kansas City Chiefs, it's Pat Mahomes, it's Andy Reid. What's understood ain't got to be said. Although they get tested by the New York Jets, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift proved to be too much. The combination of trailer, the excitement, and, of course, a nice holding penalty on Sauce Gardner was all but able to seal the fate for the New York Jets. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to keep it rolling. They're going to run away with the AFC West. And we're still debating on which team is going to be the primary contender to the Chiefs in the AFC as a whole. It's starting to look like Buffalo. But I still want to see more from them and still want to see more from Josh Allen. They're probably going to make an appearance a little later on in my power rankings, but keeping it moving at number three. Number three, we have the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) And this is a team that completely dismantled the Miami Dolphins in Orchard Park. I mean, this is a situation where we thought that the Miami Dolphins had the most unstoppable force in football, their offense, And that's until they ran into the buzzsaw that was the Buffalo Bills defense. They were able to sack two or five times, but they pressured him and hit him countless other times. They took away his first read, and that just speaks to the defensive genius of Sean McDermott. But the part of this team that I need people to focus on is Josh Allen taking care of the football. They've been able to reel off three straight wins. Josh Allen, only one turnover during that span. And you're talking about this offense outscoring opponents 123-33. to So if Josh Allen takes care of the football, this team is gonna be just fine. The supporting cast around him is just that damn good. Next number two. The Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts said it post game after an overtime win over the commanders at home. That kind of game is exactly what they need so they can make sure that they have the attention to detail, so they can make sure they understand the intensity and what it takes to be in games like that and win games like that. Every game is not going to be a a, a situation where you have a victory with style points, and I think the Eagles understand that. They're still ascending. I'm still a little bit concerned about the play calling with Brian Johnston, their, their new offensive coordinator. Him not calling any run plays in overtime is a little bit strange, but... Uh, I think on the whole, this team is just talented enough that they'll be able to take care of their business in the regular season. Right now, they're right there at the top of this conference.
1: Number one.
0: The team sitting on the top of the mountain in the NFC, though, is the San Francisco 49ers and Christian McCaffrey had another big day, four touchdowns. This guy can do it on the ground. He can do it in the air. Brock Purdy is tops in QBR in the league through the first four games. They've got a lot of skill position players. The offensive line is not nearly as big a concern as I thought it would be coming into this season, and their defense has playmakers all over the place. So the San Francisco 49ers, not only the class of the NFC, but the class – Of the National Football League.
2: So the Miami Dolphins drop out. That's a big theme in terms of who drops out. The Buffalo Bills replace them. Mike Lombardi's a former GM in the NFL, a daily coach. Now, he brought up a comparison I thought was great with Josh Allen. I wanted to point this out. He said, Josh Allen, now that he's becoming a point guard and not a shooting guard, they have a chance to really be successful. In other words, distribute the ball. Don't try to score every single time. And I think that's a great way of looking at it. All right, we got the power rankings. Our rankings: smalls the top two hours of the day.
3: Checking in at number 2, 11 a.m it's the perfect time of the morning it's the sweet spot it's not afternoon yet it's late morning if you sleep until 10 you, you you still can get to like a brunch or a workout class at 11 11 a.m is the best part of the morning
2: interesting not okay. bad not bad right I, eating I always have to think about eating of course I don't know where to go eating wise with that but you're right do you build up to the lunch that's a good point on that one number one in the hour rankings
3: number one it's obviously 7 p.m 7 p.m is the perfect time no. of day no way the sun is Setting. It's the perfect time for a game to start. You can yep. have a great well, dinner true. at I 7. I agree. It is It is not too late for a dinner. It's not too early for a dinner. 7 p.m., the king of the hours. I oh. completely
0: agree with you, Small. 7 o'clock is prime time. Prime there, time. There's a lot of versatility with the 7 p.m. hour. That's right. and, and that's the thing. The more you can do, the more valuable you are. That 7 o'clock hour can do a whole lot of things. That's right. A whole we, lot of things.
3: If we have kickoff at 8.20, it's a late night. If yeah. we have kickoff at 7.15... I'm settling oh, we're in. To bed on time. We're settling in. No you doubt. know what?
2: I was going to say six o'clock uh, p.m., but you just convinced me. Seven o'clock is very interesting because for us, especially hosting a morning show, a seven o'clock start for a game is heaven. Yeah. Oh,
3: perfect. I mean, um, six
2: o'clock would be better, but we know we're not getting six o'clock, no, no, right? But the seven to seven fifteen—that's a good start for a game. So the top two in the hour ranking, seven p.m. 11 a.m. for Smalls. Well done there. Uh, Sean in Missouri listening on Sirius XM Channel 80. What's up, Sean?
1: Good morning, guys. Love your show. I got some words for CC this morning.
5: R-E-L-A-X.
2: <laughs> Shout out to ESPN Wisconsin where that originated with Aaron Rodgers and Jason Wilde. <laughs> not- I
1: know. I think it's close. This is a great day in sports. There's no Yankees, no Mets in the baseball. The Giants and the Jets are done. It's great. It's so great. I mean, I'm from Kansas City Chiefs. You want to come over
0: and see the Chiefs fans, we'll take you, buddy. Never, never, never. I I I won a Super Bowl with the Giants, Sean. Why would I come over and be a Chiefs fan? What the hell sense does that make? My name is actually etched in one of the Lombardi trophies at 1925 Giants Drive. I'm a Giant. Yeah, I'm not coming over to the, to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan.
3: I don't know if you were going to defect. Out here, it's Sean. A,
0: that's ridiculous. It's a terrible take.
3: If you were going to defect, it's a pretty good place to go.
0: No, it is. And I <laughs> almost played for the Kansas City Chiefs once upon a time. Uh, ended up going to Baltimore, but that's neither here nor there. I just uh, the Giants. The Giants. I, I just feel like I got sucked in to thinking they would actually be good, Evan. I got sucked in, and you said it before the season started, and I give you credit for it. Bill Belichick disciples, they always outperform expectations in year one, and then they regress back to the mean in year two. You're very emotional today. So if you watch
2: on the TV side, ESPN2, ESPNU, it's Emo Canty. In honor of Jimmy Butler, I was at Media Day, hoping they, they didn't
0: Tuesday. give me the, 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 the none of the piercings or anything. Well, I mean, we're not done yet. We still got three plus ring? hours. I can't to get go. the nose ring in there.
2: Yeah, we need okay. the lip. We need the nose, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. And I, I mean, listen, I'm the Heat fan. <laughs> I'd like the hair too. Ah, oh, oh, yes, oh, there, there it is. There, there it is. Uh, there we go. You
3: no, know it's not a bad Small. look on Evan.
0: Really? It, it actually isn't a bad look on you, Ev.
3: Evan, you, yeah. you look like you play guitar in an emo yeah, band. Actually, like, it suits you.
0: Yeah, I can't pull it off, but you
3: I could. I certainly can't pull it off. You
0: can pull it off. I, I'm
2: very confused by me pulling this off. Does that mean I look good or I look so bad regularly? No, <laughs> no. I not? think
0: I, I think that means that you can do a lot of different things with your hair. You have a lot of position. They call it position versatility. I'm uh, uh, positionless? You, there, <laughs> there you go. I'm hair positionless. Hair positionless. There you I go. I am
2: Chris Bosh playing center. There you That's go. That's <laughs> what I am right now. I am hair positionless all right well coming up which coach in the nfl is getting fired but he doesn't know yet and what's the reason as to why we'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on espn radio
4: this show is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors i do you do we all do big small and when we keep them bottled up as i sometimes have had happen in the past it can start to affect us negatively therapy is a safe space for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Unsportsmanlike. Passion,
0: drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. A little 112. I like it. Oh,
0: yeah. 112. Presented One-tweezy, by Progressive Beaches Insurance. Cream. Let's go. Let's go.
2: Wow, like that. ESPN2, ESPNU, where you just saw us all as Jimmy Butler with the uh, hair from yesterday <laughs> from uh, NBA Media Days in Miami and all over the league. And Jimmy Butler always does this. He trolls on purpose.
0: So he had the dreads last year, right? He I think it was a weave,
2: wasn't it? Or is it different? Yeah, it
0: was a weave, but yeah. it, was, it, yeah, was yeah, yeah. it was dreads. It was dreads, yeah. And so this
2: is why, remember when last week he comes out with the video and he's like, oh, everybody should investigate the Bucks for tampering. You didn't mm-hmm. hear it from me. And people with the Dame trade, and people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. How could he say this? Such a sore loser with this. And I'm like, do you think he's being serious? The, why he does this so people understand this, and you can see it on the TV side, is the pictures that are used from yesterday at NBA Media Day. CC, I'm sure you went through it where there's a photo day in the NFL. Yeah. The, the networks and all of the broadcast outlets, including us here at ESPN, will take the photos that the team issued photos, and those are like the headshots for the whole season. It's great. So he knows whatever they used yesterday or get yesterday is for the 82 games and the playoffs. So that's going to be in June, hopefully, when they're in the finals and his hair is like a regular <laughs> hairstyle. It's going to be, how would you describe for those who can't see it?
3: It how- is, it's like the Pete Wentz flat, you know, the hair straight swoop over the eye.
2: But it's like permed out? Is
3: that no, it's like straight iron.
2: Flat iron. Flat iron. Flat iron. Flat iron. It's yeah. emo.
3: It's emo. It's
2: it's amazing. He's is in what his it is. emo
3: era, as he said.
2: Yeah. And he does it literally as a bit and just to troll people. It's awesome what he does, and it's hysteric. Did you have that when you and not the hair, I'm saying did you have those photo days? <laughs> <where> you- <laughs>
3: did you have an emo era? Yeah.
0: No, I didn't have an emo era. I did not have that and I did not go with the Jimmy Butler and make a mockery of picture day. But I think it's awesome that a guy that's always so serious and that's a train killer on the court actually has that moment of levity at Media Day. Like, to me, I love that. I love to see the personality of these dudes. And this is a guy in Jimmy Butler that just gets it. You see that he just gets it. This is what the NBA is all about.
2: Did you hate those days? Because was it exhausting for you? Or you had to take? Hey, can you turn no, right? Turn pic- left. Picture
0: day was usually during training camp. That was a break. Oh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so You were hoping for? Hell it. yeah! We got picture day. Cool. I ain't got to do nothing. No, can that it be means two days? That means we don't, that, that uh, means we don't have two of day practices that day. Cool. Oh I'll really? Take that. They actually
2: took that a oh, wow, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. for that. Okay. All right. Anyway, um, we talk about an NFL coach who may be getting fired, but he doesn't know yet. And fired may be the wrong word. I want to paint the picture for you. As you are going into work right now, think about this, that you're going into work and you're doing great at your job. Mm. And you just are awesome at what you do. You're having your best year of your career. And you build a team underneath you. You're a manager at whatever job it is. And you have all these people underneath you. And they're really good. And then at the end of the year, that one of the people underneath you gets an offer from your competition. What happens? That's that's one of the reasons that you're great. Do you try to keep that person, she or he, however they're doing it? Do you try to go and maybe hire them up? What do you do in that spot? Does it penalize you? This is where this is interesting. We talk about NFL coaches. If you look at the Washington Commanders, they're actually doing really well this year. Yes, I understand that they lost on Sunday, but they are trending in the right direction. Sam Howell, they're developing a young quarterback who does not make a lot of money, which is the dream scenario. Mm-hmm. See Brock Purdy. But what happens at the end of the year when we realize – well, what was the difference there this year? Oh yeah, Eric Bieniemy, the guy who was attached right-hand man for Patrick Mahomes. The guy that was his offensive coordinator for this greatness with Mahomes, and he's doing really well. And at the end of the season, the Washington Commanders CC are going to have to then grant interviews, we assume, with other teams that are going to say, "Hey, can we please talk to Eric Bieniemy? You know the guy who helped Mahomes become great, who Mahomes vouches for?" Mm-hmm. And now the guy who's helping Sam Howell, can we go talk to him? Well, he's the reason for your success. Does Ron Rivera at the end of this season actually get penalized for doing well? Will they choose the enemy over Rivera?
0: I think we could live in a world where that actually happens. I do. And and you'll see it a lot of times where organizations will want to pair the bright offensive mind, oftentimes a young guy, with the young quarterback, and based on what we've been able to see from Sam Howell and everything that we've heard from their organization, they have a love affair with this kid. And I get why, because he could actually spin it. The physical talent is there. The physical toughness is there, because Lord knows he's taking a beat, and I think he's been sacked 24 times Ooh. in the first four games. But there's something there. We saw it on the last drive at the end of regulation in the link. You're on the road and you march your team 10 plays over 60 yards for the game-tying touchdown. There's something there. The pass that he had to Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin's left foot was out of bounds, but that ball was put right there. Like, it was a perfect ball. It just so happens it's bad luck because your receiver's foot steps on the forearm of the safety that's defending him. But I think that when the commanders look back on 2023 – They're going to say to themselves, we got a really good quarterback, and we don't want to see this guy regress by having him to deal with another play caller in another scheme. So let's keep this thing pushing with Eric bien and let's transition Ron Rivera to a different role within the organization. Again, I don't think Ron Rivera is going to get fired – If they do well, if this team makes the postseason, but I think we could live in a world where they decide they're going to move Ron Rivera to the front office and elevate Eric bien to the head coaching spot because they want to keep that synergistic relationship that he's establishing with Sam Howell.
3: But why would Ron Rivera want to do that? Why would he want to move into a different role if he's having success as the head coach of the commanders? Because even though Eric Bieniemy's fingerprints is all over this offense and all over the development of Sam Howell, make no mistake, Ron Rivera is the head coach. He's the one, Riverboat Ron, driving the ship. So why would he want to give Eric Bieniemy his job and transition into a new role. He may it might not, not be
0: his choice. Yeah, he may it not. It not be his choice. They'll offer him the opportunity, but if he doesn't want that, then they're going to dismiss him, say, please and thank you, we'll holler at you, and, and we're going to go ahead and elevate Eric Bieniemy. Because, again, I, I think it's, it's hard to replace – what Eric bien brings to the table from a scheme standpoint and how perfectly Sam Howell fits into what they want to do. This is a team that's going to have to be led by their offense eventually. Like when you look at the weapons that they've put in place, this is a team that's going to have to win on the offensive side of the ball. And Ev talks about this all the time. The easiest way to success is have the quarterback outperform his contract. Well, they still have Sam Howell on the cheap for a couple of years. So you want to take advantage of that? The last thing you want to have happen is, is the relationship between play caller and quarterback get interrupted because Eric Bieniemy gets a coaching job somewhere else.
2: It's the most unique hypothetical maybe that we have in the NFL right now because if you look around the league, if you're the Chargers, would you rather have Brandon Staley or Eric Bieniemy? I would rather have Eric Bieniemy. If you're the Bears, would you rather have Matt Eberflus or Eric Bieniemy? You'd rather have Eric Bieniemy. And it's not like the Chiefs, I keep saying the Chiefs, I'm thinking of enemy with Mahomes. It's not like at the end of the season, Washington is not going to realize that. there's There are very few of any jobs where you being successful could actually cost you your job. And I actually think there's a there's a scenario at the end of the season in which Ron Rivera's success of deciding to bring in Eric Bieniemy underneath the new ownership group and Josh Harris actually cost him his job. Now, if he didn't bring him in, it could have cost him his job the other way, yeah. but he's not he may lose his job because they did too well here, which is unbelievable to think about, but you cannot lose Bieniemy if you're Washington. It's very interesting what could happen. Dak has been good this week, but is the opposing quarterback better?
1: We'll get to that next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.
5: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet?